Blog Talk Radio. This is the Shanice Lewis Show, the number one podcast for plus-size women. With your host, the queen of curvy conversation, Shanice Lewis. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Shanice Lewis. Today is Monday, April 10th, 2023. Make sure you're following this show's social media pages on Facebook at The Shanice Lewis Show and on Instagram and Twitter at Shanice Show. And make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast provider and never miss a show. Today, we have a very special guest. Clarkisha Kent is a Nigerian-American writer, culture critic, former columnist, and author of Fat Off, Fat On, A Big Bitch Manifesto, committed to telling inclusive stories via unique viewpoints from nay infancy. She is fascinated with using storytelling and cultural criticism not as a way to overcome or transcend her unique identities as a fat, bisexual, disabled, black African woman, but as a way to explore them, celebrate them, affirm them, and most importantly, normalize them and make the world safe enough for people who share them to exist. As a University of Chicago graduate with a BA in cinema and media studies in English, she brings with her over eight years of pop culture analysis, four years of film theology training, and a healthy appetite for change. Her writing has been featured in outlets like Entertainment Weekly, Essence, Gal Dem, Paper, BET, HuffPost, MTV News, The Root, and more. She is also the creator of the Kent Test and the co-creator of the Kelly and Cat Test, both of which are media litmus tests designed to elevate the quality of representation that exists for black women, women of color, and fat black women, respectively. Currently, Kent is working on a novel about a black female outlaw and a TV comedy pilot about an immoral familiar. We're so excited to have her on the show. Let's welcome Clark Keisha. Thank you so much. Hi. 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 How are you doing? So you got it going on. Thank you. Yeah, I've been busy. I'm a busy girl. <laughs> So I'm so excited to talk to you. You got a new book out, but, you know, for some of my listeners that um, may not be familiar with you and all the fabulous stuff we you've done, I want to start from the beginning. Yes, ma'am. So tell us about your upbringing, because um, you had a, a traumatic childhood, right? Yeah, I feel like a lot of us do. We just don't talk about it as much. But yes, ma'am, I did. Um, you know, I am the child of uh, Nigerian immigrants. So for a lot of your listeners who probably have shared that experience, um, they probably know that it's always very complicated because you respect the struggle that your parents went through to get here right. Um, but what I don't respect is the fact that they took out a lot of that, like, frustration and anger at the process out on, you know, me, the, you know, and my other siblings, their kids, right? Um, so that's kind of where everything starts. And then, um, you know, a lot, of, for a, lot of, a lot of the things that I talk about in the book, like colorism, fat phobia, all of that starts within that house, too. So they're taking out all these frustrations out on, you know, me as a child and my other siblings. Um, but even the way they're doing it is very um, 
I would say white supremacist centered because <laughs> what how you know how else would you describe you know like things like colorism and fatphobia and um, texturism so that's kind of what was happening um, and basically what happened is I used writing as a way to escape slash prepare my escape um, to the University of Chicago so once I was able to leave my parents house um, you know things weren't perfect but um, it really gave me a new perspective and I could think clearly, right? Cause I'm not in that chaos anymore. Um, right. So that's really like the origins of what happened. And because I was able to finally leave to Chicago, um, I you know, essentially got away. Um, that's another reason um, Chicago really has a special place in my heart because I essentially was able to really um, explore myself as a person and, you know, all my identity is there. Um, so yeah, I really, really do love that city. It's very transformative for me. So was, um, school a special place for you where you discovered you had the ability to write so well? Yes. Yes. I actually credit, um, me even sticking with writing with one of my, um, black English teachers. Um, as a lot of us know, um, coming across, a black teacher period, depending on where you're located in this country, can be really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that I was able to meet one who was, you know, also a woman, also black was a big deal. And I remember she had graded one of my papers and she was like, this is really good. Are you going to keep doing this? And I was like, mm, I don't know. So she like really pushed me. Um, so I started developing my um, writing then. Um, like, like seriously, I think I would have been in seventh grade. So I would have been like 12. Um, I had started doing other kind of writing before then, but she like really pushed me to continue like on the, you know, the fictional um, film path too. And um, obviously I did face some opposition from my family. Um, once again, right. some of your listeners, if they're Nigerian, they know that um, a lot of our parents just want us to do medicine. Um, if you have a very well, that's African American parents too, right? But you know, there's this subculture in Nigeria where it's super intense. So sometimes right. if your parent is flexible, they'll be like, "Okay, you can do law," and I'm like, "Okay," but that, that you do realize that only leaves me two <laughs> two career options, right? Um, right. So yeah, you know, myself and then my teachers kind of knew from a young age that like, hey, you know, I'm not very interested in medicine. So that was kind of a tug um, tug of war with my parents as well. Um, but yeah, I, I do credit my teachers with really pushing me because I did not have that support at home. So it did have to come, you know, from outside the home. So you went forward with it. And how long have you been a professional writer now? Professional? Mm, okay, so... Technically, I've been, like, writing on, I would say, the internet when I really started since 2013. But if I'm doing, like, professional jobs with writing, I would say that that did not occur until 2016. So I would say we're just under, like, just under. Okay. And then what have been some of your major accomplishments as a writer? Um, definitely the book, like, I have been trying to get the book done for years, like, years, because I knew I always wanted to write a book, so this is definitely the biggest one. Um, the next one after that, like, the second biggest one would be the Kent test that I came up with, 
um, for many, many years, um, especially as someone who did um, look at film in college, I was just really, if I'm being honest with you, Janice, I was really angered by the type of, like, media images that I see um, of black women in particular. Um, I Calling them one-dimensional is so generous because what I would say is that, like, everybody, doesn't matter who, everybody really sees us as, like, accessories to their life. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and that's really upsetting. So I, like, sat down. Um, it started out with equality for her, but I sat down and I came up with the test and another guide because I was like, I'm actually really tired of this. So let me put on paper, you know, so you can see how they all be writing us in these shows, these movies, and how disgusting it is, you know. So I've, I've, I've over the last couple of years, I've actually heard from people like, oh, yeah, like, I really did not consider that until I saw that on the test. And I was like, I'm glad, you know, it's helpful, but, you know, maybe you should consider <laughs> that, you know, these are human beings you're writing about, even if they're, what, fictional human beings, right? So, right. yeah, that would be my next biggest thing, because I really, really wanted to illustrate how bad these things are because you know some people like to be like oh it's just you know it's just tv it's just this no no because a lot of people unfortunately will take um what they see as we we've seen like they'll take what they see and try to apply it to you know everyday life so yeah some people are taking these stereotypes and they are you know treating actual people you know like this so i'm like you know it it you know this is it just doesn't happen in a vacuum um, you know, you have to constantly be like challenging what you see, what you read, that kind of thing. So that would be my and, other biggest accomplishment. And then you made a second test for the yes. plus size. Yes, I did. Um, I co-created it with my um, wonderful, wonderful friend. Um, their name is Sydney Sky G. Um, you can follow them on IG and also um, Twitter as Inflammatory Fat. Um, but, yeah, we actually was, were working on that for, like, a year. and came out this year in February. But we were working on it for, like, a year. And it started from a lot of frustration for Sydney with um, their kind of, like, what they saw happening with Kelly from Insecure. Um, and then mm-hmm. for me, there was a lot of frustration with um, the second season of Euphoria and how it treated um, Kat Hernandez. Because um, the first season – very controversial, but they gave her a a arc that, like, did not revolve around her being, once again, like, an accessory, you know, fat girl accessory to her thin friend. So the fact mm-hmm. that the second season completely regressed that character, I was like, yeah, yikes. So we sat down and we came up with the test. Um, it's a lot more rigorous than the Ken test, um, and we intended it, <laughs> we intended it to be that way, because um, there's a lot of just even passive fat phobia that pops up in media a lot. But people, you know, people don't pay attention because they themselves aren't fat. And you know how that goes. They're like, oh, since, you know, it doesn't apply to me, I don't have to pay attention. I'm like, no, yes, you do. Yes, you do, because you are treating the fat people in your life like this, and someone needs to tell you why that's wrong. (laughs) So, absolutely. So have writers reached out to you and said they used your test and change the script um, that yes. they had written. Yes, um, for the for the 
Kelly Cactus is still a little early. I know some fat riders uh, reached out to us and thanked us because they're going to be taking these into their rooms going forward. Um, but for the Kent test, definitely. Um, I had people, like even like some friends who, you know, they're grown now, so they're in classrooms, they're professors, <laughs> they're professors and stuff, right? So they're like, yeah, like I took out your test and I was like talking to my students about it and da 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 da. And I was like, that's really awesome. Um, I've even seen online too where um, some people have used it like in their dissertations and stuff. And I'm like, wow. That's awesome. Oh, right. Right. That is yeah. Awesome. So, right. So, you know, it does have some reach, you know, quite as it kept. Um, but, you know, I definitely want to get in a position where um, if I have uh, some time in the future, like really start like actually grading some of these movies and TV shows myself. Um, it's just been, you know, it's been a little hectic, so I haven't been able to do it as much, but I feel like it would also help to see it applied more. But yeah, no, it's making its yeah. rounds. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, you write for a lot of mainstream publications. Um, are they receptive when you want to explore topics surrounding fat phobia? Yes. Yes. Well, yeah. Um, I've never really faced any opposition from um, any of these outlets to do so. Um, but I've also had the, like, I've been blessed to, you know, encounter very good editors um, editors who know what they're talking about, editors that don't, like, edit your voice out of the piece. So I've been blessed in that way. Um, so I can't speak to anyone else who might have, you know, a different experience because, you know, sometimes that happens. But I will yeah. say that because of my um, cause of my luck with editors, I haven't really faced any opposition with speaking on it. Nice. That's amazing. Thank so you. tell us about your book. So the name of your book is Fat Off fat on a big bitch manifesto now yes. that's a name that's going right to get attention <laughs> yeah um so i want to shout out to my agent claire draper from the event agency they actually came up with that subtitle um a big bitch manifesto because the original subtitle was very long <laughs> it was supposed to be like kitschy but it's very long so we all kind of put our heads together uh, me them and my publisher and Claire was like, what about Big Bitch Manifesto? Like, really punchy. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. So that's how that came to be. Um, so for the book in general, though, I would say the book is first and foremost my personal story about my life um, told in, like, um, essentially self-contained chapters. So, like, each chapter has a particular theme, and then I talk about that theme and how it relates to my life. Um, but I would say, like, the overall point for me in terms of writing was to really show people what fat phobia looks like um you know because not about like name calling or that kind of thing it's because that's like an elementary understanding of fat phobia right um mm -hmm. fat phobia is as sophisticated and oppressive system as racism as misogyny colorism ableism Anything you can think of that's oppressive, fat phobia is there, and it's just as sophisticated, and it evolves just like these other systems, right? So um, I understand people don't like being talked at sometimes, so I was like, okay, so I'm just going to use my stories to, you know, deliver this message so you can see in real time how fat phobia is working in this particular sense. So I talked about it hand-in-hand hand with, like, colorism, how that works, right? Um, mm -hmm. 
texturism. So like what happens when you're a fat person who either has long hair or has really short hair, like the complex things like that. So I wanted to tell all these stories to show people that this is how things shake out if especially if you're fat and black. Like I really wanted to focus on that experience because I feel like these um other like body related um movements, um, they, you know, they tend to ignore our experience. You know, it's just like, you know, we're all fat and da 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 and I'm like, Yeah, but I'm black. So that adds, you know, that adds that adds an a layer. additional layer. Mhm. And it's a layer that I'm not going to ignore or downplay for anyone else's comfort. So, you know, I really wanted to, you know, use my story to really show how um, that type of discrimination is applied to us in particular. Yeah, because a lot of times when uh, plus size or body positivity goes mainstream, the face of the movement is a white woman. Yep, 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 yep. I also wanted to talk about um, having... um, eating disorder, that comes up in the book. So, you know, warning to anyone who's reading it, you know, just, you know, just take your time with it. It is triggering, so take your time. But um, I also wanted to talk about that aspect for us as a black woman. Um, Because when, you know, a lot of people hear eating disorder, what's the first thing that pops to their head? A thin white woman. (laughs) That's the first thing that they think about. Um, So I also wanted to talk about that aspect as well, you know, because as black women, we come up against so many um, beauty standards, both, you know, intra-community beauty standards and, you know, outside, you know, community beauty standards. So um, I feel like we are in a unique position to talk about this issue, um, but people tend to ignore us, right, because we don't look like the typical person to have such a disorder. So I wanted to talk about that as well in my book. Um, We're very, you know, we're very amazing and complex human beings and you know i'm sick of people trying to put us in certain boxes so and so you said you've been trying to write this book a long time so did you have it written and you had to keep pitching it and keep submitting it to people or did just the opportunity fall in your lap i would say the opportunity fell in my lap so i when i say i've been trying to write this for a while i would say that the stories you know, the stories have been in me for a minute. Um, I will say that um, I initially was not going to write this memoir first. I had another book planned. Um, it's that book in my bio about the black female outlaw. Really wanted to do a Western. Um, and then my agent approached me. It's funny because they actually um, slid into my DMs um, back in 2018, 2019. And they're like, do you have an agent? And I was like, No. And then, you know, and then we, you know, we partnered up and everything. Um, but initially, I wanted to do the Western. And they were like, yes, but have you considered? So they pitched the memoir to me. And like I mentioned, I already had those stories kind of tucked away in my brain. But I hadn't kind of considered that I could put them in just one project, right? So they're like, how about we do this? You can get your feet wet in publishing, you know, get some name recognition out there. Because um, trying to break into some of these niche niche genres, um, can be really tough as a first-time author. So they kind of wanted me to go in with some type of name recognition when I end up doing the Western. So that's kind of how oh, all the things came to be. Mm-hmm. And so did you find this, writing this book, therapeutic in a way? Yes, yes. It was very difficult, but it was also very therapeutic. 
as well. Um, I am someone who processes by writing. So it's one of those things, like, I could have a couple ideas in my head, but until I really sit and write them down, I won't immediately know that they're all connected. So that's kind of how I process. So writing these chapters down, both about, like, my like my life post dealing with my family and then my life before leaving my family was very illuminating because there are a lot of things that I hadn't considered um, related that end up being very much interconnected. And it kind of explained, like, everything that went down. Um, it didn't excuse it. Um, I still didn't deserve any of that. But, you know, writing it down started connecting some very important dots. So that kind of helped me put a lot of stuff to bed so I can move on. And where all can this book be purchased? Excellent question. So um, the main purchase point is my publisher, so feministpress.org. Uh, my book is featured there right now. Um, basically, anywhere that's really indie, I would encourage. So the Strand is a bookstore in New York. That's a good one. And then you have a green light. So um, always prioritize, like, the indie bookshops first. Um, and then if you can't find it, you can do, like, the Amazons and the Walmarts and the Barnes and Noble. But, yeah. Got it. So, you know, this podcast is geared towards plus-size women. So what would you say to somebody that is listening and they're like, you know, I have a story to tell, you know, and I'm black and I'm big, but I don't think nobody would care? Um, I would say tell that story anyway. Um, I feel like people, they love to ignore us because they're projecting, like, that strong um, black woman stereotype on us, but, like, times 10, you know, because we're fat women, right? So we're just expected to either be super miserable all the time about our bodies or, like, you know, super positive, like, nothing can get us down, everything is awesome. Like, they're expected just those two modes out of us. So always tell your story because you're a complex human being, and your story deserves to be told. And no one can tell your story as good as, you know, you. So I would say, you know, screw whoever. Tell that story. Even if even if you're only talking technically to two people, go ahead and tell it. Because um, it will be very, very illuminating for you as well to kind of get that story out. That's right. And I saw on your website you have a book tour coming up. So you're about to hit the road. Yeah, so yeah, thank you. So um, since I'm indie, um, the tour is kind of a little disjointed. (laughs) So it comes in kind of like waves. So I'll um, plan something with my PR team and my publisher, and then I'll put up like a whole list (laughs) of events. So it does come in waves. But yes, I've been trying to make sure I get out there. Um, I have plans to hopefully visit um, all of the states at one point. Um, but yeah, the focus right now is on the coast. So yeah, um, I would sign up for the newsletter if anyone's interested on the type of events that are coming up, but I usually make sure that my website event page has all of those listed. Yeah. When I saw it on your website, it looked exciting to me. I was like, she's doing big things. I was so proud. Thank you so much. And so, look, so I'm located in Louisiana, so the big city here will be in New Orleans. So if you ever do a book thing in New Orleans, I'm there. Awesome. Awesome. New Orleans is definitely on my list of places to come to. Um, it's a beautiful place. It's a sacred yeah, place. So, 
so who are you looking to connect with and collaborate with in the future? Um, I definitely want to do something with Lizzo. Definitely. Um, that's my girl. She's awesome. Um, I would also say manifesting something with Megan at some point. I love Megan. She's lots of fun. I feel like we could do something fun together. Um, that's also related to this, right? Um, and then one, two, three, and then somewhere in the distant future when I have more experience and, you know, I have some more age on me, definitely Beyonce, on my bucket list, (laughs) on my bucket list for sure. On my bucket list. Yes. Yes. Well, it's definitely coming. Um, so do you have anything else happening that we can be on the lookout for? Um, let us see. Um, I think my audiobook almost already came out, so that's that for now. Um, if people are out in like LA in particular, um, I will be on one of the panels on the 23rd for their um, LA Times Festival of the Book. So I'm super excited Ooh, for that. That's yeah, big so time. It, right. Thank you. So if you're someone who loves those festivals, please come out. Um, you know, I will try, you know, try to connect with as many people as I can. Um, but yeah, that's what I would say is super big on the horizon. Um, I'm still trying to put together my fall schedule. So once that's finalized, I'll post it on the website. Awesome. Awesome. And so tell us your official website and social media pages. Awesome. Thank you, Shanice. So um, my website is www.clarkishakent.com. And then for socials, you can find me on Instagram at Clarkisha Kent. And then I'm on Twitter until the app <laughs> explodes. I'm on Twitter at <laughs> I write all day underscore. And then I'm also on Hive Social at Clarkisha Kent as well. Yeah, I saw you got a really big following on Twitter. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've been on there since 2010. People don't remember. They're like, oh, my God. I'm like, yeah. Over a decade. <laughs> yeah, so that's awesome. So I'll definitely be following you on all of the platforms and anything I can do to support anything you got going on. Do not hesitate to reach out and ask me for whatever. I'm so happy for you and representation matters. So when you win, I win. Amen. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate it. And Vice versa. Whatever you need, I got you as well. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today and continue success and we'll be in touch. Thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you to my guests for being on the show. Make sure you check out her book, Fat Off, Fat On, A Big Bitch Manifesto. I've been your host this evening, Shanice Lewis. Thank you for tuning in and supporting Until next time, keep thriving in your curves and be blessed. You've been listening to The Shanice Lewis Show. For more info about the show, visit ShaniceLewisShow.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 